Kunisti, how are ye? Welcome to the Candlelit Tales podcast and our series on mythic places. This episode takes place at the seat of the High Kings, the Hill of Tara. Many of those High Kings were wise and just, and this is not one of those. This is a story of the revenge of Sheen. If you are in the Dublin area, we are playing a game in Tala for Crununanog this Saturday, the 11th of June. And we are recording a live podcast with storytelling and conversation in the Lighthouse in Dunleary on the 22nd of June. There are still tickets available for both, and the links are in the show notes. This podcast is brought to you by our supporters at Patreon. You can join them over at patreon.com forward slash candlelittales, or make a one-time donation to the PayPal button on our website. Like, share, and above all, enjoy. And for now, Aaron, tell us a story. The Revenge of Sheen The king of all Ireland at the time was a man named MacArthur McGurk. Tall and dark-haired, yet a heavy beard and always a wandering, searching eye. He had won the kingship of Ireland through battles hard and red leaving so many dead in the battlefield, more than the leaves and the trees fallen in autumn on the ground, rotting into the ground, just like the bodies in the battlefield. So many had lost their lives and met their end because of the wars that were waged from Akartuk McGurk's orders, and by his own hand, savage, strong and fierce, But because of his fierceness, he had brought all of the tribes of Ireland together in a peaceful time. His wife, Dweevshuk, gave him many children, and all of the time in Cleti, in Tara, they had music, musicians, poets, bards, and druids come to celebrate the going on of the seasons. And always he was generous with those who came giving gifts, giving counsel, giving his time endlessly. For now that he had had the throne, he was always willing to go further than most to resolve conflict, strife, or wrongdoings. Now it was one sullen eve that the king went out hunting, although the clerics worried and wondered whether it was a wise thing to do. The clerics with their bells and their books shook their head. The druids scowled, but the king went nonetheless, off rampaging and hunting out and so on. When he came back, they were shocked indeed to see that it was not dead deer or fawns that he'd found. In fact, he trailed behind a woman so beautiful they needed to cast their eyes downwards for the lust and longing they had when looking at this woman with slanted amber eyes, bronze hair falling down around her beautiful slim form. She had a cold sort of a beauty about her, and she walked still and steady ahead of the king who trailed after her like a puppy being led astray. This Lady Sheen was her name. She cast her eyes to MacArthur and seemed to call him to her side, 
instead of the other way around. Now, it was custom at the time for a king to take a second bride if it was agreed by the other. Duivshik, his wife, had never agreed in such terms, although it was not long after Sheen arrived to Tara that the king told Duivshik and her children to get themselves gone out of Kleti. Duivshik went red-eyed to the council of Kernak, the hermit, with his book looking in through the pages for advice but no counsel could he give to Tweevshuk to offer her any comfort for her broken heart could not mend while her husband was with the Lady Sheen in their home in Kleti. Meanwhile, McCartock was dumbfounded by this beauty of Sheen, this woman that seemed to be of another world entirely. People began to grumble and talk amongst them began to turn against Sheen, this lady that seemed to have a spell over the king. Oftentimes, Duivshuk would walk around the house of Kleti trying to peer in, her children walking behind her. But although McCartuck seemed to be under some form of spell with this woman Sheen, he still managed to give endlessly to those who came to Kleti. He would still settle quarrels, still ask for counsel with druids, although the hermits were not allowed in those of a different faith, the new faith, simply because Sheen had asked McCartuck for this, but McCartuck had offered her this and more, requesting anything she desired to be given to her directly. Any rooms, any gowns, any foods, any comforts he could give her, he would only beg to be able to be doing so, to relieve any tension from her shoulders even. He doted upon her and people wondered and worried after this indeed. But so infatuated was McCartick with Sheen that Sheen seemed to grow in comfort in his surroundings. He asked her one day, whether she was in fact a lady of the she, for rumours and murmurs had spread out like wildfire amongst the people and his followers, that she was surely a woman of the other world. Sheen smiled and looked at him through her slanted eyes and spoke softly, saying that she was indeed a woman of Ireland, a real human like he. Although she smiled and said she had learned so much of the other world. She'd brought back knowledge with her. Knowledge of magic and enchantment. Ways to wake the water and turn the water of the boyne into wine if she so called for it. She could call upon the stones and turn them into sheep or turn the green growing things into swine or cattle or monsters if the king desired. Well, McCartock McErk looked at her with longing for the knowledge she had, a lust that filled him from the bottom of his boots to the tip of his head. He called and asked her to show him some of this amazing magic that she could display in front of him. And so, with her green gown flowing behind her, Sheen called the stones around the dune of Ketty. 
Suddenly, the blue men turned with great heavy oaken shields and stone swords in their hands. She called then to the goats and those animals in the fields and called them a different name so that they may grow and transform, keeping their animal heads as they did, but warriors' bodies they had instead with tall poles and sticks. The two battled against each other, these blue men and army of goats. A fierce fight flew out around all of the host. They were stunned to see the magic of Sheen. She laughed, an echoing, terrible cry. The clerics ran away. She scowled after them and told McCurtick that no cleric with their books and their bells were allowed into Cletty any more. McCurtick did as she wished and had his host of men surrounding him then come in for a feast as the Lady Sheen had requested. She then called upon the green growing things, the ferns, the leaves and the grasses surrounding the house of Cletty, and there all the men could see sweeping in through the door drinks and meats of such finery they could never have seen before. The smell wafting around the house in Cletty made their mouths salivate for hunger kept at them, and they ate their fill of choice meats, of swine, of beef, of roasted deliciousness, and they filled their goblets of mead and wine, and they fell into a dead fast sleep. When they awoke, the king felt weary and unrested, getting no sustenance from the meal before, or that was the way it seemed. Weak and weary, he went towards Sheen, McCarthy begging for some form of help, knowing he was in a daze, confused by the surroundings, but hearing no battle. He saw this lovely lady leading him away, as her eyes were cast down, she muttering words she pointed out the window. And there he saw a great battalion of blue men, charging at monsters, demons and goblins, an army, a horde surrounding the entire place at Cletty. All of the hills surrounding Tara seemed to be alight, and so the king went in towards his men and gathered up their arms and called for a great battle now to be had. They went and fought against these blue men and demons with animal heads. And when they came back in in the evening, with the sun setting, the army seemed to disappear, and their weakness was way more amplified, as Sheen now supplied a great feast. The memory of the day before seemed to trickle away, and Sheen, her eyes downcast, a darkness over her, a sadness, some form of grief, as she let MacArthur eat his fill and fall into a great and heavy sleep once more. Confusion was in her, and when McCurtock woke, he saw lying next to him the Lady Sheen. She kissed him softly on the cheek and walked away. He tried once more to grab after her gowns flowing and flickering in between his fingers. 
and once more a battalion of blue men seem to surround the Hosaketi, and animal-headed monsters growled fiercely, banging shields with weapons. McCartuck should have known that this was created by Sheen. She had called the rocks, the ferns, the trees and green-growing things to become this angry mob and army. But he was blinded by her spell and so were the men surrounding him then. Anyone on looking from around the hills of Tara saw no such spell, only seeing the king wage out in some form of strange training they could only imagine as they fought against an invisible host. Dweevshuk cried for her husband's sanity. The clerics prayed to an almighty power to clear the head of the king. But those trapped inside Cleti had no reasoning for this, for they were urgently fighting, panic-stricken until the sun would set, and they would feed themselves full with imaginary food and fall fast into sleep. Waking much more weary on the third day now, Sheen rose early as the sun rose shining its sharp shining light onto the landscape around her. She raised her red flowing hair, ever turning greyer in the despair of these days that continued to take attacks upon her she did not know she was giving. But she called for the sigh inside her to change the wind flowing around. She named the winter storm, and she called her own grief then a different name as she turned it and moulded the rocks, the mounds, the stones, the water in the river to become weapons, an angry mob, battalions of beasts formed, carrying great weapons towards one another. A fight rose out as the water in the river of Boyne blew into fire. And so too did the clouds flow down fire from the skies. McCartuck woke with a sharp, angry bellow. Now knowing that battles were surrounding him, he looked around to see fire on all sides of him and Sheen standing in the doorway. But weapons were pointing inwards and he called for her, she simply turned away. Enchanted fire were around the hills, and enchanted beasts were fighting with blue men and green goblin-like creatures, but inside of Cleti, she lit the fires. Hot flames flickered at her fingertips, and she saw the flames lick the walls surrounding the holes. And so McCarthic McGurk came in to hear the sound of battle surrounding him. He took his weapons, but the doors were blocked by barreling flames flickering past him, blowing up into huge bursts of fire. He surrounded himself by wood and tables. He fought with them furiously as if they were the enemy too. His mind lost in desperation urgency taking over every inch of his body as he fought against doors, wood frames, panels that bared flames fighting against them as if they were his enemies and he fought so fast and deadly that he was fighting now to save his own life but he knew he could not fight for much longer. He went down to the cellar where the flames were licking the ceiling 
and spreading out and around. So hot and furious were these flames, he threw himself into a great cask of wine. He did not know the Lady Sheen was watching. The Lady Sheen, surrounded in her invisibility cloak, watched until the flames grew too hot for her, and she left and ran away to watch the house of Cletty fall down in a tumble of flames. Everyone who had watched simply thought the king had set a candle lighting at night. Those men who had been fed the enchanted food, their heads woke as if dazed and confused. No memory of the last three days lasted. Only fleeting images flickered past their mind's eye. Dweevshuk and Cairnock the Hermit went to find MacArthur MacArk. The great king would surely be within the halls. They found him in the barrel of wine, with his head sticking out, burnt badly. In fact, his body was submerged in the wine so that he had drowned and been burned in two ways of killing and being killed. Dweevshuk buried him with all of the regal finality of any great king. And the songs were sang. Poets, musicians, they told the stories of his great deeds and battles won in days gone by. And she wept to see her husband lowered to the ground. The clerics said their prayers, tolling of bells was heard. And then suddenly they saw the Lady Sheen walking towards them. Her red hair only now at the tips, the rest turned grey at her fringe. Her pale skin and slanted amber eyes were full of tears. They asked the Lady Sheen why she had done such terrible things to the king. She spoke softly and meekly. She said that her family and father, her mother, her siblings, had all been killed by MacArthur and his men. When she was just a little girl, she had seen a terrible battle. This was before the tribes of Ireland were governed under a peaceful rule that MacArthur had dealt. She had only seen MacArthur MacArk as a terrible angry man who had bared down in her family and ruined her chances of happiness by destroying all of her loved ones. And so she had sworn revenge. She had sworn to learn all of the magic ways so that she could come back one day and destroy the man that had destroyed her life. But, she said, looking at Dweevshuk with red eyes, the pair of them in it now, heartbroken, apparently, the two of them. She did not expect to fall in love with the big man the barrel chest and heavy beard and always searching eyes that had longed and looked for some form of love no matter where they had landed. He had always given and she had taken and she had taken his life so badly and so meanly. She had broken her heart in the doing and so this was the penalty of her revenge 
a broken heart. Dweevshuk wailed and died of a broken heart there and then. And though some say Sheen died the same way, others say she went walking then, all across Ireland, weeping and wailing for the love of the man she had killed, like the banshee on the hills. This podcast was produced and edited by Oisín Ryan and Alan Homan. You can find out more about us on our website, candlelittales.ie. And we're on all social media, so like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Candlelit Tales or send us a message or get onto our mailing list. For more videos and live streams, like and subscribe to our Candlelit Tales YouTube channel, which now has a Candlelit Tales for Kids playlist. Hashtag Tales. Liking and subscribing to our channel really helps us grow and get to more people. And if you're able to give us more direct support, you can chip in a few bob at patreon.com forward slash Tales or make a one-time donation through the PayPal button on our website. We also do really like to hear back from you with your questions and requests. So please feel free to contact us directly or leave your question in the comments section below. Because what we really want to do is get these stories out there. Share them with as many people as possible. So anything you can do to help, we really appreciate. And we really appreciate you listening. Gurmila Magar.